it's a constant thing. It's people watch and study behavior and learn, you know, study psychology and things. Um, because, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, they're actors, they're good at lying, you know. It's like, no, no, no. It's it's not lying. It's 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 trying to express and find a truth in this story. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to portray this character. How do I do that truthfully? Well, you know, it's written down on a script and it exists on the page. That's the story. Mm-hmm. So for me to step in those shoes and fill that story, it's like, that's not a lie. I'm just trying to do that story justice by telling it truthfully. Find the truth. Find the truth in it, you know? Yeah. So if I can express a real emotion... um through the dialogue then it tells that story based on the behavior and what i'm saying that was actor martin zensmeyer as a kid he would daydream about being an actor his older brother helped influence that dream he had the first laser disc player and the first flat screen tv in yakutat alaska so martin would go to his house to watch movies with him he remembers it being such a special event it was also special to see movies in the theater but there wasn't one in Yakutat. So the only time he was able to go was when he went to Juneau, Anchorage, or Fairbanks. His mom would drop him off at the theater in the morning, and he'd watch movies all day long. For two or three days in a row, he'd watch every single movie in the theater, and some of them he'd watch multiple times. Growing up in Yakutat, Martin always wanted to play in the NBA or be an actor. It was always going to be one of the two. The path to being a professional basketball player just involves so much travel, coaching, and practicing around those who also pursued it at that level. So acting won out. But it hasn't been an easy road. Before he made the move to pursue acting, he worked in longshoring, in a logging camp, in construction, as a welder, and on oil rigs. He was actually fired from his job in Prudhoe Bay, something he now considers to be a blessing in disguise. If he hadn't been, he might still be up there, waiting on an opportunity or the courage to leave and be an actor. He pursues acting like he does everything in his life, like a warrior. He's of Clinkett and Koyakon Athabascan heritage, and says that in traditional Clinkett culture, young men started their warrior training at the age of seven. They learned how to test their bodies by training, running, and hunting. He mentions one exercise where they would sit in the ocean and soak in cold water. Thinking about what it means to be a warrior today, he says it means being responsible, having good values, and being an example of what it means to be a good person. This goes for how we treat each other, too. Rather than getting caught up in divisiveness, we can break negative stereotypes by creating positive new ones. So here he is. Martin Sensmeyer. Welcome to Chattermarks, a podcast of the Anchorage Museum, dedicated to exploring Alaska and the Circumpolar North through the creative and critical thinking of ideas, past, present, and future. My name is Cody Liska, and I'll be your host. You said that you're in your car right now. That's right. <laughs> and why are you in your car? Um, well, I got two small children, two boys, and uh, 
you know, they they ask me for everything. Da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. So there it is. You know, um, as I was reading, you know, about you and doing some research, I came upon some information that you're really into basketball. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been playing basketball? Oh, man, my whole life. I'm from a village. I'm from Alaskan village, man. You know, <laughs> we live and breathe basketball. Uh, I don't know if there's a village in Alaska that doesn't play basketball, right? So, um, yeah, so I've been playing, played, played all through school, high school. Um, yeah, love basketball. I still play. Yeah? So, yeah. Do you just play like one-on-one? Do you go to the park? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, 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 I go to the park sometimes. I go to the gym, play some open gym, stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, got a basketball hoop out back, so I go shoot around out back. Uh, yeah, it's cool, man. I love it. It's good. It's like uh, <clears throat> it's like free therapy for me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you play with your kids at all? Um, well, James is two and a half, and so he's playing on a little tiny hoop. And uh, my my second is uh, he's he's only five months. Okay. So. Okay. So they're young. <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah basketball's big in our family i was just at the sun's game the other night yeah yeah what's that like to go to an nba game when you know like you were saying earlier so much of your life revolved around basketball and then you know you go to those those games that are you know top tier yeah it's it's fun i mean it's a lot of fun uh, when they're, when they're actually competing real hard, when they're not, it's kind of boring. Um, speaking of Alaska, Alaska, uh, fellow Alaskan Trajan Langdon, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's a good friend of mine and I've gone to, he's, he's managing the, uh, he's a general manager for the Pelicans right now. Um, the new Orleans Pelicans. And, uh, yeah, we've had, we've had conversations, um, and, and he's invited me to some games and I've got to go watch the Pelicans play in LA and, uh, went to some games in New York with him and yeah, he's a cool dude, man. But yeah, so it's cool. We got Alaskans in the league, Carlos Boozer, you know, he's retired now, but Chalmers, Mario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize a lot of good basketball players come out of Alaska. You know, you mentioned earlier how important basketball is in the villages for someone maybe who isn't familiar with that. Could you explain it? I think it's, uh, you know, the wintertime, you know, in, in the villages, uh, unless you're out subsistence hunting or something like that, you know, there's not there's not a lot of activities going on, um, you know, and, and we everybody has a gymnasium. So it's just a, a, a way of competing and, and staying healthy, staying active. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it gives the community something to root for. Uh, so, you know, like a lot of the community shows up to the basketball games, uh, real strong support system. Some of these communities, they go to state in Anchorage and half their community will travel with them. Um, so it's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful part of the culture, like, a, a, a you know, part of the contemporary culture ingrained with the with the uh, native culture and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, it's kind of seen as like a uh, like a. Uh, 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 continuation of like you know that it's like a modern day warfare to some people you know it was for it was for me okay, okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know so it's a way to compete you know and test your abilities and uh and and you learn teamwork and i think the structure of team 
uh, is really, really good for kids um, to have something to rely on each other, to build trust, um, to have discipline, to have work ethic, to adhere to a schedule and a routine. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then the social aspect of it's really good too. And then you get to travel and play basketball and meet other people from other communities. It's, it's a really beautiful thing for us, you know, and, and, and unfortunately with the advent of social media and whatnot, you know, less kids are playing or being more, you know, being interested. But, um, I think that's going to, you know, fluctuate. It'll come back. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, then again, I don't know. I'm not into TikTok and stuff like that. So. (laughs) (laughs) you know you said that basketball for you was modern day warfare what did you mean by that i like the positive sense of it like not 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 like literally you know like it's more like uh to compete to have bragging rights to have you know um it's it's kind of like a thing of like where you it's just basically testing your abilities Mm -hmm. you know to, to uh a lot of people think of warriors and they think of fighting and killing because of wars associated with warrior but you know or, or, or the meaning of the the responsibilities of a, a warrior uh are much greater than just the fighting you know the the it's a warrior is only a part of the human being it's only a part of the man you know and, and i think that uh you know to you can identify with being a warrior but i wouldn't choose to identify as a warrior because you know that there's war at the front of that word yeah <laughs> you know, it's confrontational right yeah so so i think you have to look at the you know the responsibilities that come with that in clinket culture uh traditionally they were you know young men started their warrior training at the age of seven they, they learned how to uh test their bodies do training uh running you know um they would sit in the ocean and soak, you know, in cold water, um, and, and started, uh, hunting at the age of seven and, and doing things. So that's like the warrior training begins at the age of seven. Um, and, and, but today, what does it mean to be a warrior is to, to be responsible to, you know, have good values. I think that's, uh, you know, and, and try to, uh, be an example of, of, uh, what it means to be a good person. Man, you had that on deck. You know, that was, that was, um, to me, that answer indicates that you think about this stuff, oh, you know, yeah. like you, you're, you're a deep thinker, you know, you, you're looking at a word like warrior on so many different levels. Yeah. I wonder, where do you think you got that from? Uh, just learning from mentors and elders and stuff, you know, I think, you know, I have to give credit to them because, uh, they see the young mind of a young person and the ego that's attached to the identity of a warrior, right? Like Mm -hmm. the identity of like, you know, the, the ego is a very powerful thing and it works Mm -hmm. in both positive and negative ways. I think that, um, the sense of like a warrior is not about pride. It's, it's, you know, I think pride is something that we, it's something you give. I don't think it's something you take. Mm. So, you know, like, when when we say when we have pride i think it's what we're really trying to say is i'm happy you know like <laughs> i'm happy to be this or you know like mm-hmm. i mean i'm but pr- pride is you know like a lot you know we take pride and we take too much and we mess the thing up <laughs> you know it's like yeah. just, it's something that you give i'm proud of my son i'm proud of you 
You know, it's, I think pride is something that you give. It's not something that you take. Yeah. And I think when you give it, it removes, uh, the, the, a part of the ego from that. And it, and it's, 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 you know, that's, that's just how I feel. I think it, you know, cause when we take pride in something, you know, uh, a lot of times we just take too much. So I think there's a healthy amount of pride to have, um, you know, and, and, you know, people can agree or disagree or whatever, but that's just works for me, you know, whatever yeah. works for you. Uh, I think if you have pride about something and, and it rubs somebody the wrong way, um, you know, you have to look at, is that me or is that them? Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's, if it's me, then maybe I need to pull this back a little bit. If it's them, then maybe they got to work on themselves or something. I don't know, man. You know, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it does. You know, I wonder how do you temper your pride? You know, after you've done something that you're happy about, that you feel like you succeeded in and, you know, how do you keep yourself from going overboard? Just have an attitude of gratitude. Yeah. You know? Okay. Like, and, 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 uh, and understand that the job's not finished, you know, like I just keep going. It's, it's, you get something done that you're, you know, it's like, cool. Now, now, now onto the next thing, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't sit and dwell on one thing for too long no matter how cool it is or whatever, you know, how much energy I put into it. It's like, no, I mean like every day is a new day and you do the best you can with the best of your abilities and, and you keep doing and you keep creating and making. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's, you know, what I'm doing, uh, is, is, uh, you know, I, I do what I do because I enjoy my job. I love doing it, Mm -hmm. but you know, am I doing it for me? Um, some of it, yes, um, because I'm doing what I want to do and I'm my own boss. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm doing it for others too. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's, there's a, you just have to find the balance, I think. And, and with, uh, time and experience, you kind of figure out, uh, just how to move through the world and, and, uh, you know, give what you can and, and take when you need to take, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you said you don't dwell on things for too long. Nah. Did you have a moment where maybe you've dwelled on it for too long and, you know, you realize some of the negative repercussions and maybe that was when you were younger. I'm not sure. Yeah, of course. I think everybody has that. I th- you know, like I, I, I think, uh, you know, I could have, started pursuing what I'm doing now a little earlier. I spent five and a half years working on an oil rig in Prudhoe Bay. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, I always dwelled on that. I was always thinking, man, I, one day I'm going to get out of here. One day I'm going to do this, you know? And, and it took me, uh, um, uh, you know, we had, I had a falling out with my boss over some stuff and, and I ended up quitting and, uh, and, um, you know, it turned, you know, I was worried at the time cause I was making good money. I'd been relying on it for five and a half years and, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I'd been working towards becoming an actor, but I hadn't actually, you know, made any money or got any jobs doing it yet. So I didn't, you know, know if it was going to work out, but I had a good little bit amount of money saved up and I just, you know, started pursuing it. And, uh, you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of this and that, you know, effort, dedication hard work yeah and and you know and it uh you know you start to get find opportunities here and there so i just kept believing in it you know 
did you did you quit your job in Prudhoe Bay or how did you leave? Well, um, I a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine who I grew up with, passed away uh, in an accident. Uh, he drowned, hmm. and and so you know, I was I was on the phone with people at home and. I showed up late to work, about a half hour late, and, you know, I had shown up late a few other times, um, missing a plane and whatnot, coming back to Alaska from California at the time, and, and, um, and so I, uh, I, uh, uh, got written up, and he told me he was going to fire me, and then, and, uh, you know, and I told him what happened, and he was like, well, I'm sorry that happened, but you know, you should have told somebody that you were going to be late. And so, you know, I, I started packing my stuff and then his boss walks out the, the, the tool pusher mm-hmm. and, and he, and he, um, he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm packing my stuff. I just got, uh, I just got run off. <laughs> and he said, what happened? And I told him what happened. And he was like, F that man, you ain't getting run off. Mm. He said, you work circles around a lot of these guys. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, you got a job here as long as you want. And I said, well, you know, if, uh, somebody wants to fire me, if, if my, if my driller is going to fire me for, for something like this, then I wouldn't want to work for him in the first place. So, mm. you know, so I was like, I'm, I'm, I'll be good. I'll go find another rig to work on, you know, until then I'll just go home. And so, uh. So I went home and, and, and I ended up, I never, you know, I, I put my name in the, in the bucket to, to get back on a different rig. And, uh, you know, before I even got a call, I had already started doing other stuff. So I was already working on, you know, uh, took another job in California and, and, uh, you know, I was like, you know, this is actually okay, man. As long as I can buy food and pay rent and support myself and, and, uh, you know, I don't have to go back to the North Slope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was <wasn't laughs> so. You know, it's just one thing led to another, man. You just keep going. You know, stay busy. I think not not allowing myself to um, to uh, have much downtime or just sit around and do nothing. You know, like that. That just staying busy, man. You know. Yeah. So, when you look back on that moment in Prudhoe Bay, you know, leaving, how do you think about it? You know, do you, do you see it as a blessing in disguise or maybe something else? It's, it was a, a blessing in disguise. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, you know, I'm, um, I would, I would, I'll never go back, you know, (laughs) like, Mm. um, but you know, I, I, at the time I was a little bummed. I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the fact, you know, it, it turned out to be the best thing that could have happened because who knows, I might've stayed up there and I might not be doing what I'm doing now, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting, you know, thinking about how success or even just getting on that path looks like. And so often it starts with like, uh, you know, the thing that you're doing currently has to die. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's an energy thing, right? Yeah. One thing's not going to work out if you're if you're spreading yourself thin or contributing energy to another thing. You know, that's that's uh like, you know, Denzel Washington, he has this great line where he says, you know, don't 
everybody always told him you should have something to fall back on. You know, make sure you have something to fall back on. And and if the acting thing don't work, make sure you have something to fall back on. And he always says, no, why should I have something? Why why would I have a backup plan? No, this is going to work. And he says, you know, you want to fall forward. Mm-hmm. If anything, fall forward. Don't fall backwards. Fall forward. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I see it. I kind of like, you know, that's kind of my journey. I, I kind of fell forward, you know. So it didn't, you know, not everything has to have a, a, a good ending to start a new beginning. Yeah. Know? You can have a bad ending and, you know, you start new again. So yeah. Pick up the pieces and, and, and keep it moving. I think dwelling on on things that didn't work out is, is, is a serious uh, downfall for people. Um, trying to replay in your mind what could have did this or, you know, like I, was, I used to think about that. What could I have, what if I pursued this at a younger age? What if I went to this more prestigious school? What if I did, you know, like, what if, what if, what if? Okay, mm-hmm. well, I've worked on major movies and made, you know, number one TV shows. And, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, well, maybe, maybe maybe my life experience contributed to me being where I'm at just as much as my education of learning the craft did. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, a, that's a priceless thing, you know? So like, uh, life experience is priceless. So I think if some, you know, if something, if you, if you're not proud of something you're doing, or if you're not like, uh, happy with what you're doing, I guess I should say, um, and, and you don't like it and, and you want to change, then, then you got to take that chance. You got to take that leap of faith and, 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 uh, trust your instinct and trust your gut and, and trust your own work ethic Yeah. that the next thing will work out and, and, and. Once you make that leap, I think it always does more times than not, if you're willing to put in the work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Everything in its own time too, I think. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I think when it, I think when it doesn't work out, like if somebody doesn't like something and it's a good opportunity and they quit it because they think they're better than that, well, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well then you better have the skills because if you don't, <laughs> then you just walked away from something that, you know, you probably, you know, maybe, maybe weren't even qualified for maybe it was the maybe you had it maybe you had it as good as it gets and your ego told you you should be getting more should be doing better mm-hmm. and then you go and you realize like oh i lose i lost this opportunity and now i can't get it back and and i can't get another one as similar then you're going to be dwelling on that you know so you know just have have a have a uh, a good perspective of where you're at and and know your self-worth i wonder if that has to do at least in part with staying in the present, you know, not thinking about the future and not dwelling on the past too much. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. I think you should have a good foresight of where you want to go, but not, you know, what that trajectory looks like. It's, you know, that's, I don't think you can really decide that in the world of art or media or, you know what I mean? Like maybe in a company, you, you know, you, how long it takes to move up. That's easier. Like if I stayed on the oil rig, I know where I should have I know where I could be right now, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but, uh, it's different what I'm doing now. So, um, but hard work works, working really hard works. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, that's what it comes down to. You know, it seems like, and I know that this story probably isn't, uh, always super commonplace, but you know, the hard work and the perseverance is always so essential to success that I think, uh, 
uh, some people might forget that everybody else is going through that too. Like everybody else is really busting their ass and working, you know, just as hard or equally as hard. Mm -hmm. And to have that, you know, ego, like you were saying, like to be like, you know, I deserve this or I deserve this. But then once you're, you're among that crowd, you know, once you get into that door that, that you've really been wanting to get into, you realize that most people or a lot of people have been in a similar position as you, Mm -hmm. you know, does that seem accurate? Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's well said. (laughs) I, I just have to agree. Okay. You know, when you think about it coming from a place like Yakutat, what seems more far fetched being an actor or being in the NBA? Um, probably the NBA. Okay. Because <laughs> if I could have made it there, I would have. <laughs> I wasn't good enough. I'm not fast enough. I wasn't skilled enough. You name it. <laughs> um, and, and I think that just has to do with access to com- competition and, and training and, mm. and uh, education and learning, you know, like it's, you have to work at it every day, every single day. Yeah. There's people that are very talented, athletically gifted. If you go to an NBA game, you're, you're seeing like four or five, seven footers, you know, like I think like 26% of America's seven footers play in the NBA, you know? So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Something like some crazy stick. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, 10% of the world's seven footers are in the NBA or so it's crazy. Something like that. It's a <laughs> wild statistic, but when's the last time you saw somebody who was seven foot two, just walking around, you know, like you don't yeah. see people like that, you know, even six ten. it's very rare. Yeah. So, you know, those people, you know, are, 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 uh, you know, they, they are, you know, that are athletically gifted. Um, they're kind of, uh, groom from a young age to to go to the league or to play basketball you know Mm -hmm. i see it a lot so they just spend a little more time they have more people that are surrounding them and and investing their time into them and energy and uh you know for for a guy to make it that far you need a support system of training and all this other things so um you know as an actor you can go out you know i can go out to you can go to an acting school or you can go and to an acting class, you can learn, you can pursue it. It's, it's art. So that, you know, whatever size, shape, or whatever you look like, there's roles for everybody, literally mm-hmm. everybody, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, you know, so, um, you know, it's just depending on how hard you work, you know? Yeah. And people think like, Oh, because you're, you know, you getting jobs, uh, people get jobs cause they're look good or they're pretty. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true. I've been in LA for a long time and I, I've seen, a, I've been in audition rooms with people that are, you know, models and whatnot, you know, like, and they're not working because they can't act. Mm. And, you know, so it's like, if you suck, then it doesn't matter what you look like. You ain't going to work. Yeah. So you got to work at it. You know, it's, it's a, it's a real craft. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like an instrument, you know, and, and this is where actors, you know, people People, I think people want fame more than they want to actually perform mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea of fame to them, right? And so people will tend to try to get discovered by doing nothing 
or like posting pictures or shirtless selfies or whatever, you know, and it's like, you have to work on your craft. That's the number one thing and get in front of somebody who's hiring actors, you know, like a casting director. And, and if you perform a scene believably, then that's the most important thing. And I see so many people who say, they tell me they're, they're pursuing acting. And then I ask them, are you studying? Are you in class? Are you working on your acting? Are you working on your craft? Are you researching? What are your resources? You know, and a mm-hmm. lot of them, a lot of times they say, no, well, I, you know, I got an agent. I'm like, well, that's cool. You know, an agent picked you up because they look at you to potentially make them money. But you have, you know, like if you don't bring anything to the table, if you can't act, then how do you expect to get a job? Hmm. You know, so there, I've seen that with some of the, you know, drop dead gorgeous models, you know, and handsome strapping young men that are brutes, you know, like, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and not even get a chance in hell, you know, like pursuing it for years and never, and never been in nothing, you know? So it's, uh, you know, it's not in, and the casting director wants you to get the job too. That's the thing is when you walk into a room as an actor and you're, you allow yourself to be that vulnerable to perform in front of somebody, they're rooting for you, hmm. you know? So nobody hates you, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, that's, you know, a lot of people could tell themselves whatever they want, why they didn't get a job. But when it comes down to it, I think, yeah, sure, there's a little bit of luck involved. But, you know, to continuously do it over and over again, that requires hard work, dedication, uh, passion, commitment, and skill. Yeah. Do you remember the first scene you performed, believably? <laughs> I'm still trying to get there, man. <laughs> 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 yeah uh that's the that's the that's the battle isn't it um yeah yeah i don't know i remember the first time it felt real <laughs> when was that the first time i felt that was an acting class so that's you know I, that's where it started because i you know i've i've uh i had this great acting teacher she's she's a legendary acting teacher named sharon chatton and she's you know, she's trained Ben Stiller, Jim Carrey, you name, like you can go look at her website, Sharon Chatton and okay. check out, you know, she does online classes for anybody in Alaska that wants to get interested in acting. You can go to Sharon Chatton, C-H-A-T-T-E-N, SharonChatton.com and, and check out her website. You can see all the people she's trained. Vincent D'Onofrio, who's my mentor, hmm. um, uh, he, he, he connected me with her years ago, but she, she comes from the actor studio. Uh, she, she learned from Lee Strasberg himself, the, the kind of like the, the, I guess like the godfather of modern day method acting, which, you know, originated with Stanislavski. Uh, and, but, um, you know, she's, she's taught for Larry Moss. She's worked at the Lee Strasberg Institute. Yeah. Um, taught at the actor's studio. She's, she's, she's a legend. Um, and, and I remember one time I did a scene with her. And I was playing a detective and uh, investigating a murder scene at the docks. And we're in the theater, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there and, I, and I, I go outside the theater door. and I'm, mm-hmm. I open the door. I didn't even take a half a step. And she goes, all right, just stop. Just stop right there. What are you doing? This, this, this is horrible. Take it back. And I was like, what did I do? And she goes, just shut up. Just stop. Okay. You like, I said, I didn't even start the scene yet. Like. I didn't even get a line out yet. How do you know, like, what I was going to do? She said, no, no, no. Okay. You're playing a detective investigating a murder scene at the docks. You're by yourself. 
There's no one with you. It's nighttime. It's dark. You open this door. You're making noise. You walk in like you're walking into the goddamn grocery store. You're not looking <laughs> around. You don't have your flashlight out. You don't have a gun. You know, you're not stepping quietly. You're just, you know, like, just take it back. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's, that's an assessment of behavior. You yeah, know? yeah. So acting really is about behavior. To be believable, you got to know the behavior of what your character is doing in that exact moment. Not just mm -hmm. saying the lines, hitting the mark and saying the lines. But there's a lot that goes into it. So, so I was like, oh, man, I learned something that day. And, and, and you know, we worked it out. And, and that's how you get better. You, you go to acting class so you can try new things and get constructive criticism. And you learn the philosophical side of it. You learn the technical side of it. You learn blocking. You learn all kinds of different things that help you be believable. And, uh, you know, how to use your voice, how to, how to, how to, so, so that you're audible, you know, yeah. things like that. There's, there's so much that goes into it. It's not just as easy as, you know, the reason why people think it's easy is because they watch a finished product and they think like, oh, that's, that's easy. They just seem normal, you know, <laughs> like, you know. From that point forward, did you start learning how to understand behavior better? I'm still learning it. I'm always okay. I, I, it's a constant thing. It's people watch and study behavior and learn, you know, study psychology and things. Um, because, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, they're actors. They're good at lying. You know, it's like, no, no, no. It's, it's not lying. It's, it's, it's trying to express and find a truth in this story. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to portray this character. How do I do that truthfully? Well, you know, it's written down on a script and it exists on the page that's the story mm -hmm. so for me to step in those shoes and fill that story it's like that's not a lie i'm just trying to do that story justice by telling it truthfully find the truth find the truth in it you know yeah so if i can express a real emotion um through the dialogue then it tells that story based on the behavior and what i'm saying Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people think like, oh, this person can cry at any moment. You know, they're like they must be crazy or something. No, like, no, they just know how to tap into their emotions, their emotional memory or think of something that moves them deeply. Mm -hmm. And and if you look at a, a character on screen who's crying and they're hysterical uh, or not even hysterical, if they're just crying, you know, like. They might be, th and it's a sad scene based on the dialogue and what's happening with the scenes about. It might not be that they're thinking about something sad. They could be thinking about something really beautiful that makes them happy enough that they cry. And then they say these lines and you think they're sad because they're saying these lines that tells a story. But it's it's up to the actor to, to, to draw on whatever they need to draw on to express that emotion, mm -hmm. you know. So people have different... Um, ideas of how to get there or different processes you know but i think you know at the end of the day it's if it's believable then it works yeah so there's not one true process or one true uh uh style of acting that is the most truthful or the best uh even though certain people will tell you that it's it's no it's just finding the truth man there's people out there that have never taken an acting class who are amazing at it when you're in a scene where you have to cry, what do you think about? Um, that's classified information, man. 
<laughs> but I don't always, I'll tell you this much. I don't need to go to a dark place to do it, you know? Okay. And, and, uh, you know, like I have a lot of things that bring me great joy in my life and, and, uh, so much that it's enough to bring me to tears at times, you know, mm -hmm. if I really think about it, you know? So I think, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort and work and concentration and focus and preparation. Um, and, you know, to be in good tune with your body, to be, you know, out of your head and in your body, they say, I think that is like something that, um, you know, it's, it's, a uh, uh, it's helpful, you know, so if you're tired or not rested or, you know, like overtrained or whatever, then you just, you feel like crap and, mm -hmm. you know, you can't express the best that you want or, you know, so yeah, man. <laughs> out of your head and into your body yeah what is that is that is that a common saying in acting yeah i think because a lot of people will be thinking about their performance or they'll be mm, thinking okay. about their placement or be thinking about their lines and so they're really in their head or they're insecure or you know unsure of themselves they'll be standing on one leg or crossing their arms to try to protect themselves you know that's 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 little common things signals of somebody who's not comfortable in their own skin in that moment mm -hmm. because they're performing in front of a camera and other people. So, you know, if you, if you, if you just feel and, and if you're prepared enough and you're not thinking about your lines or what you need to say next, um, then, then it allows you to, to, to tap into that, uh, deeper feeling mm -hmm. and, and, and have self-awareness, you know, um, because when you're in your head, it shows, you know, people see it on their face or when they're thinking about their lines because they didn't study hard enough. Then you see their eyes kind of jotting around looking, they're searching for their line, you know, in their head. And it's like, oh man, that's, that's what makes bad acting, you know? When did you realize you wanted to be an actor? Uh, I think it's something I daydreamed about ever since I was a little kid. I used to do plays in school, like elementary school and middle school. I used to do a lot of plays, the school plays and stuff. Mm -hmm. We had a, we had a teacher that she would work on them with us for like four months before we actually performed it, just rehearsing every day. And uh, I had so much fun with it, you know. I just always after that I was always daydreaming about because I loved the movies, man. I, I grew up watching movies, and and my brother was like the biggest movie fanatic I've ever met, and he had the first laserdisc player and the first flat screen <laughs> TV and. Yeah, You know, like he's much older than I am. So I would go over to his house as a kid and watch movies with him. And it was just like a, it was like such an event to me. And then living in the village too, we never got to go to the movie theater unless we went to Anchorage or Juno. Mm -hmm. So every time we went to Anchorage, you know, my parents, I'd have my mom or, you know, I'd go up to Fairbanks sometimes. And, you know, my mom's from up in that area. And so I'd, we'd go to Fairbanks to see family in the summertime every summer. And I'd, I'd have her drop me off at the movie theater in the morning. And I'd, I'd literally watch movies all day, like all day for like two or three days in a row. Yeah. And I watch every single movie in the theater. And some of them I'd watch multiple times. I watched the Lion King in theater seven times in like a week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Jurassic, Jurassic Park was in theaters at the same time. And so was Forrest Gump. And I watched both of those movies multiple times. And I was like 10 years old. And, and, uh, you know, so I just love the movies, man. I've always loved the movies. I would go to the movie, I would go to the video shop at home, the video store to rent a movie. And the, 
there was two video stores and they would let you rent two movies and I would it would take me three hours to pick two movies because I would look at every movie on the shelf and yeah yeah and you know and still I'm still that way sometimes I would sit there and scroll through Netflix or Amazon yeah. Prime or Apple I'll scroll for like an hour and a half and not find nothing to watch and then just turn it off and go to bed <laughs> yeah yeah I do the exact same thing yeah. and my wife gets so like infuriated and annoyed at it. (laughs) Yeah, just pick something. But the way that I look at it is I like doing that. That's an activity for me. You know, I like like clicking on the movie and then, you know, reading about it on, you know, the description once you click on it on Netflix and then maybe I'll go to the IMDb page and then read about it. And what I'm trying to do, I think, is create some like semblance of what it was like to go to Blockbuster, you know, because I would spend... I'd spend like hours in Blockbuster just picking up the the oh, VHS yeah. or the DVD cases, you know, looking at the art on the front, turning it around, looking at all the producers, looking at the actors, the director, also like reading the the synopsis on the back, you know, it's an experience. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I I really love it. Do you do you um remember any of like the video jackets that really stuck out to you uh the video jackets what do you mean like you know the cover of dvds or the cover of vhs's oh yeah 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 um uh i mean i got movie posters hanging up all in my in my little gym in my garage <laughs> yeah. so i like you know i like i like the old you know like i really like the old ones like the good the bad and the ugly Mm-hmm. Um, these old classics, you know, the Marlon Brando's like Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got, of course, like Rocky and Godfather, you know, like cool stuff. Uh, of course, Magnificent Seven, because I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, some like I got a poster of Vincent D'Onofrio hanging up from Full Metal Jacket as well as Men in Black. Um, that's my mentor. Um, and And he's worked with, you know, legends the great stanley kubrick and you know he's played mm-hmm. some iconic characters so to to have the opportunity to talk with him about acting and work on it with him um that's been a, a true gift in my career and and as well as he's just a close personal friend and he's like family to me so uh he's helped me in times where things were tough on you know emotionally and whatnot and he's always been there for me so i really appreciate that guy and, yeah, and uh, we've worked on stuff together since the Magnificent Seven. So we actually produced a and and acted and he directed it, uh, a film that was produced uh, and financed by George R. R. Martin, um, creator of Game of Thrones. Um, but I, you know, I got a chance to produce that one as well because I, I knew everybody that the company they used. I, I was friends with them before, and I kind of put them all in touch. And yeah, and it came to fruition. So that it's kind of cool, how you know just. Uh, believing in having a passion for something can in itself open up doorways the universe like that's the law of attraction right once you pursue something and 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 want to do something or you want to learn about once you put that idea forward i want to learn this Mm -hmm. or i want to try this and i'm going to put forth the effort to make it happen that's when the universe starts to open up doors for you yeah, you know, you, you you'll find the right book, or you'll find the right YouTube link, or you'll find the right uh, person online that you need to connect with, and you know, like that's offering training or offering, you know, like you start to look in the right places. You know, something I was just thinking about is what do you think it is about 
those old posters that appeal to you? You know, you mentioned uh, the good, bad, and the ugly, uh, and a few others. I think for me, what's cool about them is just the vintage look, and I like the old filmmaking. I like the old movies. I like the old westerns. You know, I'm a big western fan, so uh, yeah, I just I just like that vintage look. Um, see, it kind of it kind of makes me uh, feel connected to the history of cinema. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so many legends out there that I that I try to draw inspiration from. Considering the historical portrayal of the Native American identity in movies, you know, you're talking about westerns here. How do you feel about playing indigenous and Native American characters? Um, I mean, I feel fine about it because I am that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. So I like to play outside of that, but, you know, also I am that. So, you know, for me, I try to represent with, you know, dignity and, and, and try to pick cool characters. I've turned down a lot of projects that I've read and they kind of were either cliched or stereotypes and told from a one-sided perspective that isn't ours, mm -hmm. you know. So it's, 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 uh, yeah being selective you know anton fuqua told me that the jobs you don't pick are just as important as the ones you do pick so you know i'm i've kind of gotten to a place in my career to where i have to consider that but as a young actor you should just say yes you know because you know getting a work begets work and so if you get an opportunity to play a character then you just try to do it the best you can and and unless it's something that you're like, oh, I don't want to tell this story. I don't want no parts of it, mm -hmm. you know. But if it's not that, then 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 you kind of, you know, like you have the freedom to it's a job. And, you know, the, the, it's very hard to get a job in Hollywood. So, uh, you know, I can't pick on actors that accept roles that I turn down because that might be a great opportunity for them. It wasn't a great opportunity for me if I turned it down. But if it's is for them then then awesome you know mm -hmm. i'm happy someone is happy you know <laughs> like yeah yeah um but i'm not gonna judge too much um you know but the thing is, is i i just you know we're in this time and space in age where uh productions who want to tell native stories should hire native people to tell them mm -hmm. you know yeah not, not just the actors but maybe get a writer or a producer or somebody you know um, who can who can help to authenticate the story, so that we get accurate representation, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, you know, that's 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 what brings the truth forward the most, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but acting such a you know you got people out here that claim to be native who aren't because the, you know they they see an opportunity and they want it no matter what you know. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting.
I read that director Chris Ayer told you to focus on acting because there was a wave coming. What wave did he mean? I think he didn't tell me there was a wave coming, but he did tell me that I should focus on acting. Okay. Um, I met him at the Santa Fe University of Art and Design. After I quit the oil rigs, I, I applied to a few film schools, um, and that was one of them. And I, and I wanted to go to film school to study directing and cinematography. And when I met with him, he, he, he told me I should act, man. He's like, you got to pursue acting, dude. He's like, this, this thing could work out for you, you know, and this school's always going to be here. You can learn this anytime, but you can learn it on set too. So just, just, per, and I, at that time when he told me that it had already, I'd already taken a few acting classes for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, I just, uh, you know, so, you know, it wasn't his sole advice that made me pursue it. It was, you know, I, I had other confirmations that told me that that was the way that I should go. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, so it, uh, you know, worked out, <laughs> or it's working out, kind of, Yeah, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's still hard work, it's still, you know, this, it's, I still have to apply myself and work very, very hard to, to continue to book jobs, mm-hmm. you know, none, none of them really come that easy, you know, so it's a constant grind, for sure. Switching gears here, just for a second... I read that when you were growing up, your parents taught you about your grandparents' Alaska Native heritage. What did that look like? Um, just having an understanding of the history and and you know our connection to the land and subsistence, and and uh, you know taking only what we need, and um, you know very value based. Um, you know our cultures are very value based, so that you know that. Uh, yeah, that was one thing that was always stressed. My dad was, my dad was uh, a military man too, so very strict. You know, he did two tours in Vietnam, um, and he and he was a recruiter for the National Guard up until the '90s. And uh, so, growing up, he was always very disciplined, and and, and you know, and getting good grades was a must, and we had curfews, and you know, all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> So I wonder if you have talked to your dad about his experience in Vietnam. And I guess where that question comes from is you're playing Kiowa in the film adaptation of the things they carried, Mm -hmm. which is an anthology about the Vietnam war. Right. Right. Yeah. No, we talk about it. Yeah, for sure. He doesn't talk much about it because he's, you know, like he, he really experienced that. And that's, I think, you know, people that are really real, like warriors from Vietnam, like the, 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 the real warriors that go to war, like war, war warriors. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I mean, those, those, that's, that's a different kind of warrior, you know, like that's, that's, that's the, they put the war in, in, in warrior. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, anybody that's gone to war and, and defended this country, um, you know, that's, that's the ultimate sacrifice. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, um, that's, you know, that's, that's to me, that's like, you know, that's, that's the ultimate badge of honor. Um, you know, cause you know, we, we live in the, you know, just my favorite place in the world, man. I've been all over the world, but I love, I love, 
I love being in the USA. <laughs> okay, yeah. There's, no, there's nothing, there's no, there's no place better for me. You know, I can tell you that as much problems as we have and everything, but it's, it's still the, to me, the, the best place to live. And you know, maybe I'm biased because I'm from here, but uh, I love our, I love our, uh, I love our country, man. You know, and all its flaws and, you know, got a lot to learn, a lot to work on, long ways to go, but, <clears throat> you know, I think it's important for people to respect each other, respect people's differences, uh, respect other people's cultures and, and not try to put everybody, uh, in, in one box or try to make everybody think the same way. That's, that's not what America is, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and, or was ever meant to be, you know? So, um, yeah, man. How much have you thought about what America is? All the time. All the time. Yeah. I think, you know, like I, I believe in, I believe in our, our, our country, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and most places I've gone, you like, we, you hear all these things about this place or that, place. oh, this must be a terrible place. And everybody has a political opinion about this place or that place. Oh, like, uh, how repressive states are, whatever. Yeah. Like talk about that stuff, point it out and call it out. But at the same time, when you go to these places, you'll meet people who are amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. and and who don't believe what uh repressive law in the repressive you know like it's just yeah i think ideology is an interesting thing um and and what one person thinks and how they think that way i you know if i don't understand it i try to understand it but ultimately i'm not going to try to change the way anybody thinks you can't break uh negative stereotypes but you can create positive new ones Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I think that's a way forward, you know, and rather than fighting what you don't like, be the change you want to see in the world and, and, and create positive interactions. You know, I think mm -hmm. so many people are so focused on, you know, politics and they take on a political identity and it's like, oh man, if you, it's, it's this idea that oh i'm going to take on this political identity so i have to agree with what our leaders say or disagree with what they what they disagree with and stuff like that it's like no use your mind mm -hmm. and use politics as a tool if we understand that it's a tool and it's there to be used to help us rather than something to identify with then i think that's where you know you can get back to uh being friendly with your neighbor despite whatever they believe in you know mm -hmm. or you know, like that's, that's the world I grew up in. We didn't really talk about politics. We didn't really talk about religion. And, and that's one thing my dad told me, son, if you want to have, uh, you know, uh, no problems at work or out there, you know, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. And so, you know, people can agree or disagree with that, but that's old school way of thinking. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I'm, I'll stop on the road and help somebody or, you know, help somebody out, my neighbor or whatever, regardless of what their political affiliation is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that's, and that's, I think that's the, the, to, to create a better world for our children. And I think that's what kind of, you know, the way we should be, you know, um, because I think, you know, we're, we, we, ha as, as a whole, you know, we, we have as people, as human beings, as Americans, 
we have far much more in common than we do differences. Absolutely, yeah. So I think that's important to remember. Yeah. And that everybody at the end of the day just wants to feel good, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that's that's the way I see it, man, you know? I wonder if you think that that mentality helps you, you know, inhabit roles as an actor. Um, you know, I don't, I try to stay away from, you know, influencing people's political, uh, just the way they, they think or, you know, to me it's because, well, one, I'm a storyteller and I want this story to reach everybody mm -hmm. if, it, if it's something that, you know. And, and, and once you lean one way, then you're going to have people disagreeing with you. You're going to alienate half the people. Once you pick up a, a side, then you're going to automatically have half the people against you, you know, mm -hmm. because of the political identity mindset. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just want good for people, man. You know, like, yeah, uh, I, I, and also I'm not well versed enough on politics to speak on it. I don't follow it enough to speak on it. I don't know what's going on. You know, like I, I do to a certain extent, you know, I read the news a little bit, but I don't really watch a lot of it. You know, to me, I'm just, I'm trying to put food on the table and feed my family and, you know, teach my kids how to be good people and, and be one myself, you know, that takes up a lot of energy so for me to express my opinions it's like who cares man <laughs> yeah i like that yeah you know one of my favorite things a couple years ago to say was you know i don't know enough about that subject to speak on it yeah you know and and uh it really like it disarmed people yeah it uh it made me feel better because i wasn't trying to just like talk out my ass Right, right, right. You know, right. Um, and I, I think that, you know, listening to you talk, it's, it's brought it back up to me and I really need to start using that again. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, and to clarify what I meant by that last question about how your mentality might help you inhabit other roles as an actor, what I meant by that was, um, and I should have clarified, but you observing other people and then being able to maybe imitate and, and understand, you know, that perspective or that, uh, you know, life way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, I think telling a story about a character starts with the person, the human being. Mm. And, and then you go from there. You know, you look at where does this person live? Mm -hmm. What is their environment like? What are their relationships with the other characters? Uh, where do they come from? Where are they going? You know, what's the climate? What's, you know, all these different things factor in. And then, and then you look at, you know, uh, whatever they're trying to say, whatever story they're trying to tell. And if you talk to that person and try to gain their understanding, then you get deeper into the truth, Right. Mm -hmm. Like opinions and ideas and judgments are complex. Mm -hmm. So uh, somebody's justification for thinking a certain way. If you, th if you look at it from their perspective, you might understand it. But if you're trying to judge their perspective from your perspective, then you're probably not going to understand what they're trying to say. 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So therefore, you know, it might come from a place of good, but to you, it looks bad. So, so if it looks bad to me and I go and tell their story and express through my own understanding, then that, then that emotion, that emotional delivery is going to come out different mm -hmm. and which changes the intention. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I could believe in one thing and express it in a certain way and and it could come from a place of hate you know rather than a place of love mm -hmm. right so so you have to try to understand the way people think to to if you want to tell their story um if that makes any sense yeah and it sounds like you have to be really mindful of the emotions you know that are involved in how maybe you interpret those roles or those people because yeah. they are inevitably going to affect you know, your performance. Yeah. You have to take your own ego out of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's that word again. Yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty patient with people because I think, you know, people are very different and, 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 um, and, uh, you know, to try to understand everybody is impossible. So, you know, I know what works for me <laughs> and, and I know how to move through the world. So I don't brush up against people that I disagree with too strongly, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And, and, you know, we're not going to eradicate those people from this continent. You know what I mean? Like, so just, you know, move around them and, and, and try to create uh new positive stereotypes and stories, you know, and, and, and hopefully something, you know, a truth in that story can help inspire somebody. Uh, to change for the better or grow or understand something that they fail to, you know, like somebody mm -hmm. who's not, doesn't have empathy or sympathy and, and you, you can't get through to them because they're so stubborn in their way, set in their ways, you know, they're, they could watch a movie and, and, and be moved by it, you know, mm -hmm. um, or not, you know, they might be like, that's bullshit. That would never happen. You know, <laughs> like, like, like some of the, you know, like, yeah, it's funny. I get that too. So it's, that would never happen. Well, it did happen, you know, Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, like even, like even, uh, you know, I did a show called 1883 and people always say, uh, he, he's, he's with the, uh, he ends up with the, with the white woman and that would never happen. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so 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 a white person and a native person never never uh got together and had children you know <laughs> do those people tell you why they say that like what is it based on probably their own racism okay yeah <laughs> so which is you know it's whatever you know i don't i i don't interact you know i'm not going to interact with that it's like people can say whatever they want yeah it's not worth your time nah Nah, can't be. Yeah. You know, if you make it worth your time, then you, then you're, you know, like it just, you're, it's, that's a, yeah, it's a waste of time to me. So. Earlier you mentioned patience. Yeah. You know, do you feel like you grew up with patient people? Um, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, at times, you know patient with the thing my mom's always patient my dad uh wasn't always patient um but i think the balance uh was helpful you know the balance is needed yeah so there's times when to be patient and there's times when you you shouldn't be patient mm -hmm. and uh you know like when 
you have a job to do and they tell you to go do it, you should get up and do it. Don't be patient about it, you know? Yeah. I think that's a lot of kids, you know, your chores, get up and go shovel the driveway. Okay, well, <laughs> after I'm done with the game. No, right now. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. Or even I think being patient with emotional reactions is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing I've learned in experience is, is to, you know, we have uh, emotional reactions can be dangerous. So, you know, like you're not necessarily in your right mind when you're high emotion or thinking very logically. So a lot of times we can do more damage by emotionally reacting rather than just sitting with it, processing and then and then responding. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really helpful to do. So, you know, patience is good sometimes. Yeah. Patience is great. Yeah. I I feel like that's one of those, I mean, it's a virtue, right? (laughs) Right, 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 right. You have a new movie out right now called the last manhunt. Do you have any behind the scenes stories you can tell me about that one? Um, I mean, I just lived in Joshua tree for like two months. It was awesome. Um, hanging out in the desert. I ran every day while I was making that movie. So I was out in the desert running a lot. Um, I made some really cool friends, you know, buddy of mine, Eli Olson, he's, he's a big wave surfer. He stunt doubled me on that movie. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. Um, and, and now he's working with Jason Momoa on his new project, Chief of War. Uh, and they're filming in New Zealand right now. Um, so yeah, just hanging out with those guys was fun and, uh, got to make a movie and, and, uh, it was a very low budget film. So didn't get paid much and, and, uh, you know, but it was a labor of love and I think it was just a fun project to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the characters, you know, there's wisdom, there's grit that mixed with the atmosphere and yeah. the music, you know, the overall tone, uh, I feel like I just really connected with. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Cause a lot of people either hate it or they love it. It's kind of a slow paced, slow burn. Um, and there's, you know, some of the character, like my character doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but he still says a lot, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, at the time I was kind of like, oh man, I, I need to be having, I, I need more lines. I'm telling the writer and the director, we, I, we need, we need to have this character telling the story. Like, come on. Like, of course, you know, me being an actor fighting for more lines. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I really felt that way. And when I watched it, I was like, you know what? I actually didn't need more lines. Yeah. I don't think you really did either. I think no. that you did a great job at expressing, um, you know, all of those words, you know, silently. Mm. Um, I, I feel like that, uh, those types of roles, at least in my opinion, just from a viewer, you know, I'm, I'm, I love movies. And when I see a role like that, I'm like, what, like, what is being said here? What are they, uh, trying to say without saying it? And that to me, like those roles are like way tougher. Yeah. Yeah. They can be. Yeah, for sure. What do you mean by that? They can be, does that mean in a certain way you think they can't be too? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, people, sometimes you don't have to overthink it. And I think the tone, you know, the tone of the story and the style of filming and, you know, you just, just, uh, sometimes less is more, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to sit your mark and say your line and not put anything behind it. And then sometimes you have to find something really go really deep and find something, a way to express that line in the most truthful way. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you kind of like with experience and, 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 uh, you start to better analyze the script and figure out where your beats are at and how to say it the most impactful way. Um, 
<clears throat> but uh, you know, it just it just comes with doing it over and over again. Yeah, I think it gets back to that saying you said earlier, you know, out of your head and into your body. I think mm -hmm. that I am a person who is a hundred percent in their head. Yeah. And and that just doesn't go for acting too, that goes for life, you know. A lot of times people are in their head or they're dwelling on this thing or I should have said this or, you yeah. know, like people have real anxiety, you know. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of that might be related to uh, nutrient deficiencies. Mm. Um, like people are like 65% of people are deficient in magnesium and salt minerals in their body and zinc, you know. And so if you're deficient in those things, the number one symptoms are anxiety depression insomnia uh irritability you know like fatigue all these different things you know and like i sweat a lot because i train a lot and i use a sauna and i was deficient in these things and i was experiencing all those symptoms and once i started supplementing with magnesium some salt and and uh some vitamin b vitamins b3 through b12 uh, it was a game changer and I got my energy back and, and everything's back to normal. Started sleeping better and less anxiety, less, you know, insomnia, all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but, but that being said, you know, some people have these things because of trauma or because, you know, something didn't work out in their life and, and they're bummed about it. Um, but they're real things, you know, so, uh, you know, just yeah, hopefully people can figure out what works for them to get past that mm -hmm. so but you know like back to the being in your head thing and out of your body yeah you know like you overthink things and there's a uh there's a effect of that you know a physiological effect of that overthinking and and stressing you know you're when you stress about things your cortisol levels go up and cortisol is the stress hormone and that also causes insomnia and you know, more anxiety. So, uh, people that are really, you know, a lot of times people go straight to antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds when they're mm. just deficient in all these nutrients. So they work for a little bit of time and then they stop working and they're back to square one where they're feeling like shit, you know, and, and, and questioning their existence. It's like, well, learn about human anatomy and nutrition. And, you know, there's some great resources out there like Andrew Huberman and, Dr. Eric Berg have great YouTube channels and they've helped me a lot figuring out, you know, how to get better in tune with my body. I've been an athlete my whole life and I'm still getting in tune with my body and then figuring out what works for me. Yeah. Cause I, cause I like to push myself, you know, uh, I like to exercise every day and push myself and that can be stressful at times, you know, on your body if you don't get proper rest and nutrition. So, mm -hmm. you know, but there are, answers out there for people who you know have these issues and they're struggling with these things um you know start to study nutrition what you're eating a lot of times people have uh serious addictions to sugar or uh salts and different kinds of you know uh fried foods and stuff like that they can really affect your uh your mental and your in your physiology and your in your um you know can lead to a lot of different uh unhealthy results so yeah uh, it's it's good to learn about that stuff you want an education and we're, we're educated in all kinds of things and when we get better at stuff we become educated in it so mm -hmm. you know having a nutritional education is 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 crucial man yeah absolutely yeah so hopefully that helps
hopefully that helps somebody who is dealing with these things. They can try magnesium and salt and B vitamins, B3 through B12, um, you know, and, and a good multivitamin, good probiotic. A lot of people have bad gut health due to bad diet. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you have bad gut health, same thing, digestion will mess up. You, and then, you know, can have all the same symptoms as, as the other stuff, anxiety, all this stuff. So they call the gut the second brain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you feel from your gut, you feel with your heart and you feel with your brain. You know, you want to have good brain health, good heart health and good gut health. And you can think clearly and coherently as you're capable of thinking and feeling. Just have that balance, right? Yeah, I, I don't know about any of the listeners, but I'm definitely taking you up on all this because <laughs> I, I could definitely <laughs> use some uh, yeah. use some health in my life. Yeah. And it's there. Those resources are there. You know, I, I don't try to shove this stuff any, down anybody's throat. You know, it's like, hey, man, if you want to, if it helps, awesome. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not helpful, then, you know, don't use it. <laughs> it's all good. You know, something that I, I think about pretty often is how Alaska has this draw, you know, this magnetism that brings people back to it or leaves them longing to return. Do you ever feel that? Every day. Okay. I love Alaska. It's the best place on earth to me. I'm Alaskan through and through, man. I've, I was born in, you know, born in old A&MC downtown in Anchorage. Uh, grew up in Yakutat. Graduated high school in Yakutat. Went to UAA. Uh, I've worked in 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 uh, longshoring and a logging camp. I've worked construction. And I've worked on oil rigs and I've worked as a welder. You know, so very 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 Alaskan. You know. <laughs> I know these things have a tendency to change over time, but right now, what do you think is one of the most important things you've learned about pursuing your dream? Um, that you have to constantly grind. And, you know, in this business, they forget about uh, your successes very quickly. So, yeah, I've, you know, coming off of Magnificent Seven... You know, that was one of my first big projects. I was thinking, oh, I got it made now. It's going to be easy like this from from here on out. And in fact, it got harder, you know, and and uh, it it wasn't easier. And and I still have to audition for roles and I'm still reading for stuff and I'm still working very hard at it. And I still get turned down a lot. I still get I still face a lot of rejection. So that's one thing people don't realize, like, oh, this guy's got it made. No, well, you know, I'm still getting turned down for a lot of stuff that I really, really want. And, and, uh, you know, but I'm still doing cool stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I just never give up, you know, it's like every audition's like a, like a job interview. It's like a, uh, you know, it's like a, uh, applying for a job, you know, I did that, you know, it's like I applied for like 40 jobs last year, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah. so it's, you know, and I got, and I got three, you know? Yeah. Those are pretty crazy odds. <laughs> yeah. So, and Yeah. And I had to go to Australia and in Atlanta and Vancouver, you know, and, and my family couldn't come with me because I had, you know, my little one. And so it's, it's tough. It's a sacrifice. It's not easy. Um, but I enjoy it. Yeah. I love it, man. I wouldn't rather do anything else because mm-hmm. when I'm at work, it doesn't feel like I'm working it. I'm, I'm, I, I'm grinding, but it doesn't feel like work the way that work feels like shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of times where a lot of times we have to go to work 
And for me, when I worked the oil rigs for five and a half years, every time I went back to work, it was this idea of like, I wish I wasn't coming back to the North Slope because I'm missing out on this cool event that's happening in three days from now. And, you know, things like that, you know, you miss out on a lot of stuff. So uh, people that work on the North Slope sacrifice a lot. Yeah, they do. For their families and to, to, to be up there, to have a good job, to have you know, health benefits. It's, it's, it's a great, uh, uh, you know, way to make money and support your family. And, and it's, but it's also sacrificing. It's very hard on families. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's not an easy job to do. And it's, it's not, you know, there's, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. There's a lot of people when I worked up there, I worked on the same crew, same rig, same crew. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, I was there the longest, um, but, uh, outside of the loader operator and the tool pusher, um, but on, on my crew on the rig, yeah, I was there the longest and, and, uh, you see, you see people that, um, get a job up there and they stick it out for two weeks and then they're done or three, see them for three months and then they, and then they're, and then they quit, you know? And, yeah. You know, so it's, it's a tough place to be, man. But then I see people up there, been up there for 30 years, you know, and, and they figure out their routine and what works for them. And, you know, so it's, it's a, uh, it's good, honest work, man. You know, it's, you know, it's a tough job, but you know, you got to do what you got to do to put food on the table. So mm-hmm. can't judge it. You know, <laughs> do you have any dream projects that you'd like to work on? All kinds, man. I really want to tell some Alaskan stories, you know, we haven't seen very much of those. So kind of flirting with that idea right now, um, and, and kind of try to portray us in the right way, um, would be awesome to film in Alaska, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, you know, but I have some other dream projects, uh, characters I'd like to play and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm just, you know, focused on the next job here and, take it a day at a time man. do the best I can with with uh the time that I'm given mm-hmm. and those dream projects are they top secret some of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know if if they if I get to make them I'll say this was my dream project <laughs> okay okay so we'll know when it comes out yeah I don't like to talk about things too much before ahead of time because I feel like it takes away energy from from it you know yeah Takes away the surprise. Yeah. But it also takes away the energy from that thing actually happening. You don't want to jinx yourself. Yeah. You know, because if you talk about something before it's happened, it's kind of like you're letting the universe, you know, you're, 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 you're giving, you're giving that thing a way to escape back into the universe. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's like, yeah, you just opened your mouth and, opened a hole that's gonna you know like don't let that thing out man just do it don't talk about it be about it yeah yeah just just do it and then talk about it after it's done so you know a lot of people walk around saying i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and then never do shit yeah you know what i mean and and i don't like to i don't like you know i've been that guy before i think we all have yeah i'm gonna do this oh this thing's happening you know and then it never happens and Mm -hmm. it falls through and it's gone it's like, oh man, maybe if I didn't talk about that thing, it might've just happened. So I don't know. That's up to people, you know, <laughs> it's like a super, it's like a superstition, right? 
<laughs> I think it's true though. You know, yeah. I mean, at least for the people that, you know, I guess I can only speak for myself and I connect with that sentiment because, you know, I have had ideas that I put out there and, you know, then I'm focused on the fact that I put it on social media and then I'm answering questions about it and, you know, this and that and talking to people who want to be a part of it rather than just, you know, hunkering down and working on it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the art and the pursuit of storytelling. Have you spent any time thinking about your story? You know, how you got to where you are? In what way? You know, I guess the way that I'm thinking about it is, have you thought about it in the context of, you know, you're 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, and you're looking back on the time that you spent in acting and yeah. the projects you worked on, what would you like that story to look like? Um, I think just um, that, uh, I guess like, Mm, that's a tough one. You know, I'm, you know, like it's, it's a tough one because everybody else is on their own journey. And I think for me, looking back on getting into the movies and stuff, I think it's just, I would like to be an example of what's possible, hmm. you know, if anything for other kids, other people that want to pursue it, you know, and, and say like, because I think a lot of people have this idea that they want to perform, especially if they're doing plays and stuff. And they say, I love acting. I really want to do this, you know, and then they apply themselves and it works out, you know, but if you don't apply yourself and you just think like, Oh, I just need to get in front of the right people so they can see what I can do. Then they'll understand. It's like, no, that's not ever going to happen. You have to actively pursue this thing and work on it. You know, uh, you hear these stories of somebody who was a waiter in New York and they got discovered by an agent that went and ate there. They were sitting on a bus stop and somebody walked by and said, hey, do you want to act? Or, you know, like, that shit don't fucking happen, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That never happens, you know, unless you're like Brad Pitt or somebody. Yeah, know? I was just thinking of yeah. Brad Pitt because that's how he got discovered, right? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> supposedly, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. story. Yeah, but that's a cool <laughs> story. So who knows if yeah. it's true, you know? I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. So that's, you know, there's only one Brad Pitt, you know, <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man. I'm not that, you know, <laughs> that wasn't my experience. I didn't walk down the street and get discovered, you know, <laughs> I had to go to LA, you know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and audition for stuff and, and go for like four years without ever even booking a role. And then keep pursuing it. Like, what the hell am I doing? I think when I turned, like, I think before I got Magnificent Seven, I was, like, 29 or something like that. And I was, like, I'm going to give this thing, like, two more years of hard work. Because hmm. at that point, I was getting really close to a lot of roles. But I, ha I wasn't actually booking anything. I think I booked a small role in a short film. And then I did a small role in a small movie. And then did some stuff on a TV show. And it was like, I didn't make any money doing any of that stuff. You know, definitely wasn't enough to support me. I was at that point delivering food in LA. Um, and, and, you know, because I got to make my own schedule and I, and, and, you know, there's an app 
that you sign up for shifts on. So I'd be like, okay, if I don't want to sign up for a shift, I don't have to work it. So yeah, there's no, there's no, you come to work at this time, you get off at this time. It was like, hey, you sign up for your shifts. So I, I would do double shifts on the weekends and, you know, I'd keep my days open in case I got an audition and I would just deliver in the evenings. And, um, you know, I did that and, and I had the same exact routine every day. So I think four years flew by because I'm doing the exact same things all the time. Mm -hmm. And so like that, I kind of got that way from working on the oil rigs because, you know, I'd get up there, I'd go to work, I'd get off work, I'd go in the gym, work out, go take a sauna, take a shower, go to bed. Yeah, it's very Spartan. Yeah, exact every single day. And I stopped watching TV up there and I started reading books. And so every single day was like that. So now I'm very set, you know, like that kind of like contributed to my discipline in terms of like getting on a normal routine and doing the same things that yield success, you know? Um, so that's kind of just the, the, the route I took and, uh, you know, it's worked for me. So. Well, Martin, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. Yeah. I'm a fan of your work. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. I'm a fan of the podcast. I'm, I'm excited to be on it. Oh, heck yeah. I never, you know, I like, I would like to do more stuff in Alaska because I haven't done a lot in Alaska and it's, you know, home is always the last place to show love, um, for people in his business, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not asking for it. I just like, I just, I love Alaska. So I want to, yeah. I want to be more interactive and I do spend a lot of time up there. I go up there all the time. I was just up there back in October. Um, but you know, my family, I went to Australia for four months and I, I flew my family up there so they could hang out with my family up there. And, and, uh, you know, I try to get up there about three times a year and, uh, and, uh, hopefully, you know, eventually I'll be living back up there again. And my family lives in Yakutat and Anchorage and um yeah i just love alaska man it's to me it's my favorite place so i always think about it i always want to go home i love your page too because you always post a lot these memes and they're very alaskan <laughs> so the most alaskan stuff you know i was thinking about it, i was like man the first day of black ice before it snows in anchorage and you drive down the road and there's 200 cars in the ditch on yeah the on the on the on the old seward or you know like seward highway there's yeah you know it I remember my first week up there uh, driving in the city for the first time, and I was using a road map, you know, to try to get to UAA from from Huffman, you know, and I'm like a a paper road map, <laughs> <laughs> map quest. Yeah, no, they, yeah, it was it was like we didn't have uh, navigation back then, so. You know, this was 2002, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, cell phones are just coming out. Like, I think I had the, I had a <laughs> Motorola cell phone, with the, you know, like, and I played snake on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun game though. Yeah. And, but, you know, I remember being really, really nervous driving in the city for the first time. And, and then, you know, fast forward two months later and, or a month and a half later and there's black ice on the road and you see all these cars in the ditch and then. And you're like, oh, then you hear people saying, oh, these are all the people that just moved to Anchorage. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then, it, and then the first snow, same thing. And yeah, man. Yeah. And you see people driving up there. They're like, okay, this this person's gonna end up in a wreck. 
Yeah. You see him pulling up to a stoplight and there's ice on the road and like, they, yeah, I've seen people blow through stop signs. I mean, blow through red lights because, uh, you know, they, they didn't realize that you got to start braking about like three quarters of a mile out. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like slow down, you know? <laughs> um, I always appreciate it when they start honking, yeah. you know, before they run the red light because you know that they can't stop. Right, right, right. Yep. 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 Or flashing their lights. Yeah, yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nah. It's, it's a special place, man. Alaskans, are, Alaskans are cool, man. Alaskans are the coolest people to me too. Cause I would see like, you know, you see, uh, uh, all the, you know, nobody really knows what Alaska's like from people down South. They always think like, Oh man, it must be so cold up there. And I'm like, or they don't think that it's modernized or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. ideas. so Anchorage is a cool place. It's, but there's far more places that are much more Alaskan than Anchorage. So definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love it all, man. So, well, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, nah, man. I mean, let's do it again. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, if anybody has any questions, hit me up. I love talking to people. So, um, yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me on, man. For more information about the Anchorage Museum, visit anchoragemuseum.org. This podcast was produced by me, Cody Liska for the Anchorage Museum, with additional help from Julie Decker. Chattermark's music is produced by Keys Open Doors.